tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's October 10th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got four briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First, a series of seven updates for you on the war in the Middle East, including word that Israel is calling up 300,000 reservists, plus a promise by Hamas to kill kidnapped victims on live TV. Second, the U.S. southern border is backed up with trucks this morning, miles of trucks waiting to get into America because of increased border checks. But one group, they're not waiting to get through, and that is terrorists. Third, the U.S. national debt will result in default bankruptcy within the next 20 years. We'll discuss that assessment in just a bit. Fourth, some good news. Yes, we need it. About how to address your anxiety or depression if you struggle with such. And here's a hint. Grab your running shoes. Later, a listener question today about how Palestinians ultimately view Hamas. In other words, does the average Palestinian support Hamas or do they oppose them? And that is really important. We'll discuss that in just a bit. But first, before we get to our top story of the morning, breaking news out of Washington, D.C., Joe Biden was questioned on Sunday and Monday about his unlawful handling of classified materials. As listeners know, that top secret material dated back all the way to the 1970s and was held in multiple unsecured locations, ranging from Biden's private offices in D.C., to storage boxes next to Biden's Corvette and his home garage, all while his son Hunter was living with him. Now, we don't know what Mr. Biden said to the DOJ investigators or the questions that were asked of him. The White House is refusing to comment this morning, but I'm going to be watching for details in the coming days and weeks on this because it is a very important story, ladies and gentlemen, a very big story of presidential lawlessness. Certainly worth our time. With that, let's get to our top story of the morning. A series of seven updates for you, ladies and gentlemen, on the war in the Middle East. We start first with the scale of Israel's expected response to last weekend's terror attacks. The government has announced a record 300,000 men and women would be drafted immediately into military service and that the country was, quote, going on the offensive, end quote. That number, by the way, the 300,000, suggests that Israel is going to launch a ground invasion of the Gaza Strip, and they are certainly going to target the leadership of Hamas, which, to refresh our memories from yesterday, is the political leadership of over 2.3 million Palestinians living in the Gaza Strip, leaders that, of course, authorized last weekend's deadly attacks. Second, we have other indicators of a likely Israeli ground assault. Israel is sending out text alerts to cell phones of Palestinians all throughout the Gaza Strip, telling them that they should congregate in certain areas for protection, while other areas of the Gaza Strip will be unsafe, presumably because they will be struck by Israeli forces. Third, the Israeli government is announcing a complete blockade, a total siege of the Gaza Strip with no provision of any outside food, water, fuel, or supplies of any kind. 
And that means that the 2.3 plus million residents of Gaza have about one week from today before we start talking about concerns of starvation or death from a lack of drinking water. We shall see. Fourth, the Israeli military has launched a series of counter-strikes throughout the cities of, of Gaza, with the Palestinian Health Ministry saying anywhere from 500 to 700 people there have been killed. Plus, the United Nations is reporting another 137,000 Gazans are taking shelter in their facilities. On the Israeli side of the death toll, nearly 1,000 people have died as a result of uh, this terror attack over the weekend. There are also uh, an uncertain number of people that have been kidnapped and now being held and tortured by Hamas. Of the dead in Israel, there are at least 11 Americans with other U.S. citizens, of course, kidnapped and again, currently being held in Hamas territory. Fifth, I warned yesterday that those poor kidnapped victims would likely face a very sad fate, and it appears as though that warning was accurate. Hamas is promising to murder one kidnapped victim every hour on live TV should Israel strike any civilian homes in Gaza without warning. Sixth, and speaking of U.S. citizens, an update for you on how Americans are reacting to this news, at least some. Democrats and leftist groups continue to celebrate the attacks on Israel. The Washington Post is reporting that cities throughout the United States are increasing their local police presence as these leftist groups are celebrating the death, rape, torture, and kidnappings of all these victims caught in Israel. By the way, these leftist celebrations include amongst them U.S. university students, including 31 groups at Harvard, who have announced that Israel is wholly responsible for its being attacked, all because of how Israel allegedly treats the Palestinians in both the West Bank and Gaza. Seventh and finally, we are getting some early indicators of how exactly Hamas and their financiers in Iran were able to pull off these terror attacks. And in a word, they did it through deception. So here is how it happened based on reporting, early reporting from Reuters News Service. So over the past six months or so, Hamas and its leadership have apparently been communicating to the Israelis that they simply wanted to focus on improving Gaza's financial position, you know, to get Palestinians more jobs and more financial security. But that was a lie. It was a ruse. They didn't actually care about improving the lives of their people. It was designed to make Israel think that they wouldn't be attacked and that perhaps Hamas was turning over a, a new, more peaceful leaf. And that, in fact, here is how one Israeli uh, official is putting it this morning, quote, Hamas was able to build a whole image that it was not ready for a military adventure against Israel. Instead, they caused us to think that they just wanted money. We believed that they were coming to Israel or the West Bank to work, to bring money home into Gaza. That, we believed, would create a certain level of calm. But we were wrong. End quote. Meanwhile, another Israeli official, the spokesperson for the Israeli Defense Forces, summed it up by saying this, quote, this is our 9-11. They got us, end quote. Finally, one former Israeli national security advisor clarified and offered some additional context saying this, quote, we stupidly began to believe that it was true that they just wanted better economic conditions. So we made a mistake. Well, we are not going to make this mistake again. We will destroy Hamas slowly, but surely, end quote. So those are the latest facts and data out of the Middle East this morning. Let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion of what to make of these seven new developments. So let's start with this thought experiment. Let's imagine that Hamas has nuclear weapons, tactical nukes, let's say. 
would they let Israel live in peace? Or would they annihilate the Jewish people and their Israeli state, taking the land back for Arabs? I want us to all really reflect on that simple thought experiment. In fact, it, it's uh, informed by yesterday's brief, if you missed it. There's this long history of, of, of this region where there has been a traditional refusal by Arab countries and groups to believe that Israel should exist. And that is why I think this thought experiment about Hamas having nukes is so helpful. It allows us to frame this complex region and all this news in some pretty simple terms. It very quickly clarifies the motivations, the plans, the intentions of all the nations and groups involved. And I offer it to you as you process today's news and all the news to come as you work to ultimately decide which groups and which arguments deserve your support or ultimately how much carnage you are willing to accept. And to be clear, folks, there is a lot of carnage to come. 300,000 Israeli troops, that certainly suggests an invasion. A lot of people will likely die as that happens, including Palestinian civilians. And in turn, that will mean that Hamas will murder upwards of 100 of those folks who are kidnapped on live TV. To that end, one warning, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I spent a part of my career watching these kinds of videos, beheadings and such, as we went through captured phones and computers that belong to terrorists. And I urge you, do not watch this stuff because you will never unsee it and it will haunt your dreams for years to come, believe me. One final thing to note before we move on, Hamas pulled off one of the most incredible and audacious terror attacks because they tricked the Israelis into believing that the Palestinians just wanted better economic conditions, more wealth and less poverty. But Hamas was lying. It was a ruse to attack. Well, you can pull that off once, but not twice. Israel will not make that mistake again. In other words, they will have very little compassion for whatever suffering comes next for these 2.3 plus million souls in Gaza. And that is sad. That is gut-wrenching, that future suffering. But it is a consequence of both Hamas's choices and, frankly, the majority of Palestinians who voted for and continue to support Hamas. More on that at the end of today's podcast. But the point is this, ladies and gentlemen, you should prepare yourselves for some pretty horrific images and events in the Middle East over the coming days and weeks. The odds that this gets very ugly very fast is quite high this morning. Now, as ever, let, it, let us pray that that is not true, that some sort of miracle happens. And to that end, Egyptian diplomats are in contact with both Hamas and Israel, trying to prevent enormous bloodshed that is likely to take place. I'll be watching for developments related to those diplomatic efforts out of Cairo, fingers crossed, but... To be honest, I'm skeptical, and I think we are going to see some pretty horrible things. More to come. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, thank you. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, an equal thanks, and enjoy the following messages, remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or a service, then I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Folks, we are entering into the fall and winter, which sometimes gives us good weather, but sometimes not. And if you have ever been through the bad stuff, say a windstorm or frozen rain, you know that the time to prepare is not when the lights go off. The time to prepare is right now. And that is why you should order emergency supplies from 4Patriots.com. And when you do, folks, take a look at their long-lasting and very tasty food options. Their food kits are hand-packed in the U.S. of A, last for up to 20 
25 years. They include a wide variety of breakfasts and lunches and dinners and are backed by thousands of five-star customer reviews. So, folks, go to 4patriots.com, explore their products, and make sure that whatever you do, you buy supplies that get you ready for whatever might come your way. And right now, when you buy those supplies, you are going to get 10% off, but only if you use promo code right on that first purchase. So go to 4patriots.com. That is number 4patriots.com. Use that promo code right, W-R-I-G-H-T, and you're going to get that 10% off your first order. So my friends, please do go to 4patriots.com and go there today before the lights go off. At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards domestic news. First, the U.S. southern border is backed up with trucks, miles of trucks waiting to cross over with all sorts of goods. But there's one group that isn't waiting to get through, and that's a group of terrorists. So here's what we know about these developments this morning, and let's start with the trucks. Mexican President Mr. López Obrador said yesterday that he was outraged by these miles of trucks that are backing up in his country, trying to get Mexican goods across the U.S. border. Indeed, there are 19,000 trucks in total waiting to cross, carrying about $1.9 billion worth of goods. But they're stuck, all because starting back on September 19th, the Texas Department of Public Safety said it would start enhanced vehicle safety inspections to, quote, deter the placement of migrants on said trucks or other smuggling activity, end quote. Well, as listeners know, and as Mr. Lopez Obrador knows, there are upwards of 10,000 illegal migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexico border each day, and that is why the state of Texas is doing what they're doing. Indeed, they are trying to stop or slow this human flood of migrants, or at least make Mexico feel some economic pain because they're not doing enough. And here's one example of that. Mr. Lopez Obrador is of this morning actually busing illegal migrants from Guatemala onto his southern border all the way to ours. Also that his country doesn't have to deal with the illegals clogging up his transportation network. But that aside, as those trucks remain stuck with those two billion or so in goods, there's one group that is actually getting through this morning without any trouble at all. And that group is a group of terrorists. So let's start with something that you might not know. In the years preceding Mr. Biden's living in the White House, the U.S. Border Patrol arrested anywhere from zero to six terror suspects on the FBI's terror watch list. However, the year after he took office, that number went from zero to 98. So far this year, we're at about 151 to 160, depending on the data set you look at. That, by the way, was released just a couple of weeks ago. But the point is this. We went from about zero terrorists arrested in a year to somewhere around 160. And by the way, those numbers do not capture the 1.5 million known gotaways that escaped arrest. Uh, just 1.5 million since Biden started his term. In other words, folks, we can safely assume that there are at least another 100 more terrorists inside the United States this morning living in 
well, they're plotting whatever crime they intend to commit somewhere. And that certainly seems bad. Let me now pivot from facts and data to my analysis and opinion on these two stories of backed up semi-trucks and an open border for terrorists. Folks, as of last Friday, this conversation about terror attacks was a little bit academic, I think, for most Americans. Many of us had forgotten about what it felt to, to wake up on that 9-11 many years ago uh, to feel this, this a wash of, of panic and hysteria and fear. But since Saturday, since we watched all these horrific events uh, unfold in Israel, I think that we have been jolted by those images of, of terrorists capturing civilians and raping them and killing them with promises to now kill them on live TV. So here's what I think, and I say this with great sorrow, ladies and gentlemen, knowing these latest numbers. I suspect that we are going to get hit with yet another terror attack at some point or a profound domestic disturbance, either by these foreign terrorists or, yes, Chinese saboteurs. Now, I don't know when this will occur, and I don't know the scale, but I believe that the facts and the data and logic and reason are all pointing in one very clear direction this morning. We are going to feel the pain of terror once again. And I say that not to cause anxiety or fear. Instead, I share that to prepare. I, I, I want us all to be ready for any emergency situation, but especially this one, such that you and your families are ready to respond no matter what comes. So prepare we must with calmness and resolve and peace, because peace comes to those who are prepared. With that, we move on to our second domestic news of the morning. The United States has 20 years at most to get its national debt and deficit spending under control. If not, it will trigger a national default. That is the sobering analysis coming to us this morning from the analysts at the Penn Wharton School of Business and their budget model. For folks unaware, that is a nonpartisan model that is frequently used by Congress to assess the impact of things like tax cuts and spending by America's federal government. So simply put, here was their analysis. If we continue our historical patterns of spending, we will hit debt levels that will spur a national default in 20 years at most. Now, they cautioned that it could be even sooner because interest rates could increase or stay elevated, and that would push default within the next 15 years or so. Alternatively, the federal government might unfortunately increase its spending due to things like, well, unforeseen events like wars in Ukraine, the Middle East, or with China. That would also push up the timeline for default. Finally, they noted this, if we wait until the last couple of years to start changing course when we start to wake up to the crisis, no amount of tax increases or spending cuts will prevent the government from defaulting. And that default, they said, would, quote, reverberate across the U.S. and world economies, end quote. In other words, my friends, the debt crisis in this country is real, and it will happen in our lifetimes if we don't get on it very soon. So I flagged this for you in no small part because it was raised as one of the reasons last week for Republicans who tossed out their fellow Republican House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy. And the argument, fair or not, was that he was insufficiently dedicated to deficit reduction. That's because their argument was he went along with Democrats and their requested spending levels. And so that means that this latest report coming from Penn Wharton, well, it could affect the future debate about who will become the next House Speaker. And that debate's going to come pretty soon. Republicans gather to vote on the next speaker starting tomorrow.
More to come. Finally, this morning, how about some good news? Did I just hear some amens? All right, let's talk about some good news. Doctors and researchers have long debated which is better or more effective for treating anxiety and depression. Is it a pill like a Prozac or an SSRI? Or instead, is it exercise? Well, as that debate continues and perhaps touches your life this morning, I've got something for us all to consider. European researchers just published a study in the Journal of Affective Disorders comparing a group of runners to a group that took antidepressant pills. And here's what they found. The group that jogged, especially with friends or others, got the same mental benefits as those who took pills. They were also in better physical shape, as one would expect. The jogging routine, for what it's worth, was twice a week for 45 minutes. So, there you go. Good news if you're dealing with depression or anxiety this morning, especially after listening to the right report. Yeah, well, you now have some options. Go get those sneakers, grab some friends, because your mind and your body will thank you. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. Today, it is a listener question sent to us from one of my paid subscribers at rightreport.substack.com. Julie from somewhere in America wrote in, like many of you, she was alarmed, confused by the, of course, weekend's events in Israel. Or as she said, I'm not a foreign policy guru and I'm struggling with something. And here's what it was. She asked, do the Palestinians that live in the Gaza Strip support Hamas? In other words, do they live under some sort of terror regime like the Taliban in Afghanistan and they have no choice over what happens? Or do they actually support Hamas and what they're doing? Because either way, that changes what I think of these folks and and what the Israelis should or should not do. Well, Julie, what a great set of questions. So very important for us all to ask and answer. So let's start with this. Back in 2006, there was a series of elections for parliament in both the West Bank and Gaza Strip. And Hamas, well, in Gaza, they won in a landslide. In other words, the 2.3 million or so Gazans, they voted for Hamas, knowing full well that Hamas embraces terror as a form of government. Now, they were willing to accept that for one of two reasons. First, they believe that terrorism or militancy, it's okay if it addresses these, well, unfair or cruel Israeli policies, so the argument goes. And indeed, that is the argument of many Palestinians. Or second, those Palestinian voters, they supported Hamas because they fundamentally do not believe that Israel should exist. So terror is fine. And that gets back to what we discussed yesterday. Right? The fundamental question that should frame everything that is happening right now is this. Should Israel exist or is that country just the result of a, some terrible colonial history, either by the United Kingdom or the United Nations? I will also offer you this, Julie. I don't have any recent polling telling us exactly what the Palestinians think about Hamas, but we can kind of infer, and we should consider uh, doing so by this. First, there is a dramatic increase of support across the Middle East for Hamas. Indeed, I've, I've flagged that data in the transcripts. And it, it matches a poll that was taken two years ago that showed that Palestinians in the Gaza Strip and the West Bank strongly supported Hamas after they started to attack Israel a couple of years ago. Now, interestingly, those polls show that 
after a couple of months, about three to six months, support for Hamas started to dip because Hamas was unable to deliver on the promises to improve people's lives. So, Julie, to summarize my answer to your question, here we go. A strong majority of Palestinians almost certainly support Hamas this morning, either because they support the use of terrorism as a tool against the oppressors, as they call Israel, or they want to destroy and remove Israel from the Middle East. But that is also the point of this moment of history, isn't it? Right? If you view Israel as an enemy, right, that they must be wiped out of the Middle East and Jewish people have to be pushed out along with it, well, it's pretty tough to logically see why Israel would ever want to work with you. Instead, as reason would suggest, they're going to label you an enemy in return. And that gets into a nasty, vicious cycle that is very tough to break. And again, for very good reason. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. <laughs>